Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is an iHeart Original. It's 1995 and Tom Blanchard is sitting down with his wife to eat at a new restaurant in the sleepy town of Haley, Idaho. Haley is a part of the Wood River Valley, where Tom is a county commissioner, and he's eager to check out a big attraction in one of the area's smallest towns. It's packed, and everywhere Tom looks, he sees something extravagant. Amazing, expensive hardwood furniture, tables that have African daisies and tiger lilies erupting from vases, hand-painted ostrich eggs that line shelves. There are even palm trees in Idaho. Grand openings of anything, especially a two-story restaurant slash bar, are few and far between in Haley. It's a former mining community with the kind of straightforward, no-frills attitude that comes along with it. Some people in Haley aren't even sure a restaurant this nice belongs here. It's not that they don't like it, it's just that it's fancy. Locals don't have a lot of use for fancy. Tom's like that. Fancy is okay, but he can do without it. And he's not phased by much. But even he's surprised by what happens when he looks up from his menu to see who's looking back at him. The server is Bruce Willis. He was our server. Um, my wife and I ate at the Mint one night, and he was our server. Because he, he would go down there, and he would end up waiting on tables and, you know, talking to people or, you know, uh, serving at the bar. Bruce Willis smiles as he jots down their order. Well, if you've seen his movies, you know he doesn't smile so much as he smirks. That's part of the Bruce Willis image, 
Never a complete smile, more of a half grin without showing many teeth. Something that says, you know I'm charming, I know I'm charming, and we're both pretty amused by it. The smirk that's made hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office in films like Die Hard, 12 Monkeys, and Pulp Fiction. He even made that talking baby movie, Look Who's Talking, a success that spawned two sequels. Though Willis sat out the third movie when the dog started talking. Willis was the voice of Mikey, the baby. A constantly smirking baby. The point being, Bruce Willis in 1995 was one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. An action hero whose everyman qualities helped balance out these superhuman characters played by bazooka toters like Schwarzenegger and Stallone. An actor who was highly respected for dramatic turns in movies, like as a tortured Vietnam veteran in In Country and opposite Paul Newman in Nobody's Fool. A megawatt star making tens of millions of dollars almost every time he appeared on screen. And yet, here he is in Haley, serving Tom Blanchard and several other tables their appetizers. And it's not because Bruce Willis had fallen on hard times. It's because Bruce Willis owns the restaurant, known as The Mint. In fact, he now owns several businesses along Haley's Main Street, in addition to a private residence just on the edge of town. That's why residents started calling their home something besides Haley. They started referring to it as Haleywood. But some people couldn't shake the feeling Willis didn't want a town so much as a movie set, one where Willis was the director. And if Haley was a movie set and Willis was the director and the star, didn't that make the locals, well, extras? For iHeartRadio, this is Haleywood, an iHeart original podcast. I'm your host, Dana Schwartz, and this is episode three Planet Haleywood. In the 1990s, Bruce Willis wasn't just a movie star. He was also a businessman, involved in one of the trendiest business moves an actor could pull off, becoming the face of a slightly corny theme restaurant. It's easy to see the appeal. Kenny Rogers Roasters, a chicken spot. Michael Jordan Steakhouse. Eminem recently opened a storefront in Detroit named Mom Spaghetti. And there's Mark Wahlberg's Wahlburgers, which he operates with his brothers. These are kind of self-aware in their kitschy appeal, sometimes earnest, sometimes bombastic. But during the 1990s heyday, the theme restaurant was serious business, and no theme restaurant was bigger than Planet Hollywood. In tourist-friendly cities like New York, Los Angeles, at Disney World, even all the way to Moscow, these monuments to Hollywood glamour and stardom popped up and enticed patrons with an aesthetic that worshipped the movies. Picture a TGI Fridays with movie memorabilia, with movie flair, 
a place to eat fried chicken coated in Cap'n Crunch cereal while seated underneath Rocky Balboa's boxing trunks or John McClane's dirty undershirt. Movies and movie stars hadn't been shrunk down to streaming services yet. Movies were still an event, and eating a burger while staring at a glass case with Jason Voorhees' hockey mask staring down at customers was a draw. But the real secret sauce was the endorsement from major movie stars who came out for Planet Hollywood grand openings like they were movie premieres. Why? Simple. Planet Hollywood was a turnkey operation for celebrities who wanted to flex their business acumen. In exchange for publicity, stars would get shares in the company. And the more they promoted, the more money they'd make. That was the idea, anyway. Planet Hollywood was the brainchild of Brian Kessner and Keith Barish, two film producers who decided to take the template of Hard Rock Cafe and apply it to movies. They teamed with Robert Earle, who was then CEO of Hard Rock International and who knew the novelty eatery business well. They thought about calling it Cafe Hollywood before settling on Planet Hollywood. And because they wanted it to be an international brand, they needed actors who had international appeal. The first two names on the list, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. Demi Moore joined in 1993, making Willis and Moore the power couple of the theme restaurant industry. Soon, Sylvester Stallone joined them. For Stallone, it was an interesting foreshadowing of movies imitating life. The sixth installment of the Rocky franchise in 2006 featured Stallone's character opening a restaurant called Adrian's. In the film, Rocky used his celebrity to draw business, just as Stallone and the others had done IRL back in the 90s. The first Planet Hollywood opened in Manhattan in 1991, serving up, among other things, mixed drinks named Die Harders. It had palm trees and plenty of star power. All of the other franchise openings did too. George Clooney, Wesley Snipes, Luke Perry, Eddie Murphy, a who's who of 90s faces were usually there. Willis and the others regularly attended, drawing thousands of adoring fans and tons of media. In some of the high-profile locations, like in Los Angeles, there seemed to be a vague notion that any regular Joe might walk into the restaurant and see Arnold or Bruce or Demi sipping a drink. This rarely happened, but it was part of the appeal. Willis had a say in the franchise's liquor selection, using his expertise from his bartending days in New York, while Arnold contributed his mother's strudel recipe. Burgers, nachos, blaring music, quote, before they were stars, high school photos on the placemats. It was a perfect restaurant for the celebrity-obsessed tabloid culture of the 90s. If a patron ponied up for a Planet Hollywood Express card, they could even get some of that special treatment usually afforded to the Hollywood elite, jumping the lines to be seated more quickly. 
And those lines could get pretty long. The chain was serving up 750,000 people every year at 95 restaurants in 31 countries. Planet Hollywood became a brand advertised in movie theaters. Going to a Planet Hollywood became a rite of vacationers everywhere, a stop you needed to make to bring home a souvenir for family members. A denim shirt, a polo shirt, a fossil watch. It even had a tie-in board game. The bomber jackets with the Planet Hollywood logo sported by Willis and the others were a kind of uniform, like they were part of a winning varsity team in the sport of making money. Customers could buy them too, for $325. But at openings, Willis could contribute something the others couldn't, a stage presence. Civilians weren't allowed inside these star-studded VIP gatherings, of course. So Willis would bring the party outside, where fans were standing expectantly. Opening after opening, Willis and his band, the Accelerators, would jam, giving audiences a full course of his charisma. Arnold and Sly could merely wave and smile. Willis's most memorable opening came at the debut of a Planet Hollywood in San Diego in 1995. On stage with his band, he was joined by Anna Nicole Smith, the pinup of the moment, thanks to her appearances in Playboy and as a model for Guess Jeans. Smith was looking to shock the crowd, and she did, by taking out one of her breasts and waving it around. Without any prompting or provocation from Willis, she then unbuttoned his shirt and either licked his chest or pretended to lick his chest, depending on which version you'd like to believe. But here's the problem with being trendy. Trends, by their nature, don't last very long. While the openings were splashy and exciting, pretty soon people realized that Arnold wasn't going to just show up and offer to split a milkshake. The food was no different than your average Applebee's, and the struggling, aspiring actors working as waiters weren't worth repeated trips. Planet Hollywood went public in 1996 and tried to keep growing, but the public's appetite for cereal-encrusted chicken fingers and Terminator jackets mounted on walls had reached its peak. Celebrities began moving away from the premieres. Locations closed. Two bankruptcies followed. There are still some Planet Hollywoods in business today, but few movie stars celebrating their grand openings. It was fun while it lasted, and the experience was invaluable for Willis and Moore. It showed them how they could monetize their celebrity in the service industry. But opening a Planet Hollywood franchise in Haley was out of the question. It was too big, too, well, too Hollywood. Haley was supposed to be the escape from all that. As Planet Hollywood was starting to spin out of orbit, Willis decided to do his own version of a theme restaurant in Haley. But it wouldn't be restricted to just one building. It would be places where, yeah, maybe you would see Bruce Willis hanging out. 
Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on do not disturb, tuning out all the constant just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Bruce Willis's arrival in Haley solved a very big problem facing the Ketchum Sun Valley Chamber of Commerce. Here's Wendy Jaquet. I was a director of the Sun Valley Ketchum Chamber of Commerce at that time. The town was pretty sleepy, storefronts boarded up just in the main area, older buildings. The hospital was converted to a city hall and a library. The county building is a block over. It's an old, wonderful brick building from the late 1800s when the silver mining boom was taking place. The postmistress and the mayor and other people in Haley were talking about doing a video to promote downtown Haley because things had kind of gone awry. It wasn't, it wasn't really very much of a, a viable town. There were empty storefronts. And then all of a sudden we got Bruce Willis a redevelopment and we didn't really need a video after that. Suddenly there was another boom, not a silver mining boom, a Bruce Willis boom. There were jackhammers and forklifts and rubble, the good kind of rubble that told you something was changing, something was being torn down so something better could go up in its place. A transformation was underway. It was a Tuesday. I was on deadline. I was, you know, in a in a big hurry getting the paper uh, finished. Wayne Adair, editor of the Wood River Journal. And somebody came into my office. He said, "You ought to get your camera. And go out into the alley." And, Bruce Willis is carrying two-by-fours over his shoulder to help the construction workers. And uh, he said, yeah, you could probably sell a picture like that to the National Enquirer for $50,000. 
I mean, I would like to have $50,000 as much as anybody, but becoming a paparazzi was not uh, in my wheelhouse at all. But that sounded exactly like something you would do, just literally, you know, pitching in and, and helping to get the job done and uh, being pretty comfortable doing it. Willis was busy renovating the Mint. As a bar in a former mining town, it was dilapidated, dark. He tore down an old bar and built his, what he called the Mint. And uh, he spent a couple of million bucks at least on it, renovating it, did a beautiful job, made it into a bar and a, and a, a stage. That's former Haley resident and attorney Lee Schlender. Of course, it was, I mean, it's, it stuck out like a sore thumb because it's the kind of thing you would see in a major city. Everything else is, uh, you know, almost tie up your horse outside. Uh, so it was, it was different, that's for sure, but it was beautifully done. The dark corners were gone. The surly drinkers were effectively evicted, forced to find another watering hole to brood in. Lunch wasn't of the liquid variety, but freshly caught Idaho trout or burgers. It was affordable, too. A lunch bill for two might come to about $20. Suddenly, the Mint was a shiny new establishment, where the Schlenders and other locals were sitting down to grab a meal. And while there wouldn't be memorabilia, that was very much a Planet Hollywood approach, patrons would still know who was bankrolling the venture. Above the dining area was a giant photo of Bruce Willis as a baby. Not the look who's talking baby, his actual baby photo. Uh, I think the, the major impression of everybody was that's gonna be a real addition to our little Main Street and we welcome the money. You see, when you leave Haley, you go 10 miles north, you get into Ketchum and Sun Valley. I mean, it's a working man's town when you come south and leave Ketchum. Haley was not the place where the people that had money lived. It, it was purely a working class, working class people. In fact, I think Bruce was probably one of the first ones of that type of society that actually built down there. There was more, much more, to the Mint. Not just a place to eat, but a place for Bruce Willis to be Bruce Willis in a way that felt comfortable to him. And we'll get to that, but he wasn't done with Main Street. Next came the E.G. Willis Building, named after Willis's grandfather. It was a combination retail and office space with a variety of specialty shops like jewelers and furniture stores. We mentioned this before in relation to Willis's dust-up with the Wood River Journal, but there was more to it. On the street level of the E.G. Willis building was Shorty's, a Bruce Willis project that paid homage to the diners of the 1950s. Willis had named the joint after his dog. Red leather booths, shiny chrome, tabletop jukeboxes. Haley already had a breakfast hangout that the locals liked, but, well, it wasn't exactly what Bruce Willis wanted. It wasn't open late enough. So he built something he liked better, a place that served eggs, but also served hummus anytime, day or night. 
That was kind of what Bruce Willis did. If he saw something in Haley that he felt could be approved upon, he'd do it. If he thought it was missing something, he'd build it. There was a pulse, a Bruceness, to Haley that was becoming palpable. Here's Wendy Jaquet. I think people in Sun Valley and Ketchum looked at this change in Haley as kind of an opportunity, kind of like a place where it would be a little bit more authentic. It wouldn't be what they might perceive as, as a glitzy resort scene versus something that was more authentic. But look at this, it also had this Bruce Willis amenity to it. The Bruce Willis amenity. The Mint and Shorties had his aesthetic, his love of a bygone era resurrected in the form of pies under glass and tabletop jukeboxes. He was having fun sculpting the town. The same ambition he had demonstrated pursuing an acting career was making things happen in Haley. Sometimes, little things cropped up, little signs that Bruce might have been getting frustrated with small-town bureaucracy. Things like permits and zoning, things that he never had to deal with at Planet Hollywood, were proving to be a nuisance. After all, Haley was flourishing, and he was investing in it, and someone in that position might expect a little cooperation. Once, Haley took issue with the fact that Willis didn't have the required number of parking spaces for the E.G. Willis building. He was 10 spaces short. He could have paid a fee of $25,000 to cover the infraction and kept doing business without the spaces. Instead, Demi Moore bought a shuttered drugstore across the street. It was listed for $675,000. Willis got his parking. The building itself remained vacant. To some, the town began taking on the feel of a Hollywood backlot. You know about backlots. They're built by studios for shooting movies and have replica storefronts that sometimes lead nowhere. You just walk through a door and come out the other side of the unfinished face of the building. After the Mint, Shorties, and the E.G. Willis building, there was more. Willis zoned in on the one place any movie star rearranging a small hometown would need, a worn-down building known as the Liberty Theater. It was a place that once proudly presented movies. Not a multiplex, but a single-screen theater. Open since 1938, it was old school. The original owner was a barber during the day and prospected for gold on the weekends. Like the Mint, the theater needed a lot of care, which the current owners couldn't provide. Willis bought it and restored it to its former Art Deco glory without stripping it of its small-town charms. He put a lot of money into an old theater there, gutted it out, putting in new seating, a new stage. It was first class. Inside, the ornate lobby was full of gold accents. Bolivian rosewood panels lined the walls. A huge chandelier loomed overhead. The theater itself had beautiful gold curtains and brand new chairs that reclined. Even better, the balcony had love seats that reclined. Tickets were still $4, $4, and beer was still served in the balcony. A blazing red marquee lit up Haley's night sky, bulbs encircling the titles of the films now playing. 
For Willis and for Haley, it was the ideal amalgamation of the old and the new, a historical landmark in town updated with care that preserved Haley's culture. Anyone stepping inside the Liberty had one word for it, beautiful. I think that was a huge hit. And one of Bruce Willis's dreams, one he spoke aloud in a rare moment of candor with the press, was that he could one day host the premiere of one of his films in a movie theater he owned. Even though Willis had left a lot of Planet Hollywood behind, it turned out he wanted to keep one more element, the sonic boom of a major celebrity event. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. In 1995, the same year Bruce Willis started reshaping Haley, he decided he could control just how much Hollywood he wanted in the town. Willis was set to star in 12 Monkeys, a science fiction film directed by Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame and co-starring a rapidly ascending actor named Brad Pitt. It was a surreal story about a man named James Cole, played by Willis, who travels back in time to stop a deadly virus from taking the world by storm. When he arrives in our present, or close to it, he's sent to a mental institution. No one believes Cole is from the future or that he belongs there. He's an odd man out. 
Instead of traveling back to Los Angeles for a premiere, Willis saw no reason why he couldn't spend a lot of his money, and a lot of the studio's money, bringing the premiere to Haley. He flew his co-stars into Haley on a private jet and then shuttled them to Main Street in limousines. Jean-Claude Van Damme was there, and so was hotel mogul Steve Wynn. It had all the trappings of the glitzy debuts you saw in Los Angeles. At the premiere, Willis was ecstatic. He welcomed both locals and big stars at the door, ushering them in, screaming that all the candy was free, all the Baby Ruths you could eat. At a Bruce Willis premiere, you didn't have to pay for concessions. But if the goal of a movie premiere is to draw attention to your film, why do it in Idaho? Here's Lee Schlender. You're starting to get way west by the time you get to Haley. Uh, you're not on the edges of Denver or another metropolitan area. So there wasn't a big area to draw from. If you put on a premiere or an act of a certain type, there's only so many people that are going to come because it's just that remote. Did a lot of people come from out of town to see it? No, not at all. In fact, most people didn't even know it ever happened. And maybe that's just how Willis liked it. It, it was more like a, a private party. It was sort of Bruce saying, uh, okay, I'm here, uh, this is me, this is where I'm from, this is my life, and I've got this movie I want you to see about it, because I do a good job in this. And from what I've heard, I haven't seen one of his movies. But from what I hear, the younger people, they think he's terrific. Of course, not every movie Bruce Willis premiered in Haley was a crowd-pleaser. The next year, the gangster drama Last Man Standing got a similar Haley treatment. But it didn't strike a chord with critics or viewers. It was a lean, spare movie that shaved off most of Willis's wise-guy charms, which was probably a mistake. The same year, Willis and Moore opened the Liberty for the premiere of Striptease, an erotic drama in which Moore starred as a woman who begins stripping to earn money, enough to regain custody of her young daughter. Then she gets embroiled in a political scandal, as strippers do. Hollywood saw the movie as having the potential to be another basic instinct, a lurid, sexy thriller that pushes boundaries without crossing them. Entertainment Weekly said it would, quote, reveal more skin than a year's worth of Victoria's Secret catalogs. The poster was singled out by the Motion Picture Association of America as being too revealing, with more naked in the shadow and cross-legged in too suggestive a pose. But the role was important to more. Bruce and Demi's seven-year-old daughter, Rumor, even appeared in the film as Moore's on-screen daughter. And the real headline, more than any erotic imagery, was that Demi earned a record $12.5 million salary for an actress. No one, not Julia Roberts, not Meryl Streep, not Sandra Bullock, had ever made as much. But while Willis and male actors were congratulated for big salaries, Moore was met with resentment. Some in the press dubbed her Gimme Moore. It was a peculiar double standard. 
But aside from the premiere in Haley, Demi wasn't seen as often as Willis. She kept a much lower profile. She would rarely, rarely show up anywhere where she could be seen. Haley provided the same sort of escape from the cloying press, the double standards, the judgmental public, for more as it did for Willis. Striptease would be Moore's only film that premiered in Haley. In his premieres, Willis pulled off what most actors only dream of, titrating their precise level of celebrity. Just enough to enjoy, not so much as to be overbearing. While his movies didn't premiere in his literal backyard, it was close. And when his famous friends left and the carpet was rolled up, Haley could go back to being the nondescript town Willis had fallen in love with. It was just a brief intermission, just a little measured dose of fame, a little hit, and it was all in his control. There were times when Bruce Willis wanted to be noticed, and there were times when he didn't. And when he didn't, it wasn't enough for him simply to retreat into the background or stick close to home. Any uninvited attention was met with, well, let's call it resistance. Locals would sometimes hear vague warnings floating through the air. Don't talk about Bruce Willis. Don't photograph Bruce Willis. Just ignore the movie star with the giant baby photo in the restaurant. If he wanted to, he could have just become a member of the local community. And, but that wasn't Bruce Willis. And I can understand that, uh, looking at the temperature range that he ran in, in his career, his movies, etc. cetera. Uh, this is high wire stuff. I don't think he's ready to sit down and uh, do flapjacks at the Lions Club softball game every summer. If it worked, if it all worked, Haleywood could become Bruceville, a place that had everything arranged in a way that made it a custom fit, a bespoke town tailored to order. The pieces were all in place. Now Haley was going to see what their new benefactor planned to do with their Main Street, or his new Main Street. Next time on Haleywood, the Mint wasn't just a place to eat under the gaze of Willis's baby photo. It also acts as nightclub, a stage for Bruce Willis's band, and one of the few places in Haley where you might just get your ass kicked. It was a group of them, and I remember going to my car, and uh, 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 and I had my concealed weapons permit and everything back then, and, and I just put my pistol in my pants, and someone called the cops, right? Haleywood is hosted by Dana Schwartz. This show is written by Jake Rawson. Editing, sound design, and mixing by me, Josh Fisher. Additional editing by Mary Dew. Original music by Natasha Jacobs. Mixing by Jeremy Thaw. Research and fact-checking by Jake Rawson, Austin Thompson, and Marissa Brown. Show logo by Lucy Quintanilla. Our senior producer is Ryan Murdoch, and our executive producer is Jason English. Special thanks to the people of Haley, Idaho, and all those who've shared their stories. Haleywood is a production of iHeartRadio. Until next time.
You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.